ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. Thanks to Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com for joining us in the last segment. Rage Cajun Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau will join us in studio next hour, but joining me now to talk a little New Orleans Saints football is Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. You've heard me talk to uh, to Ralph plenty of times of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. You've heard Andrew on this show as well from time to time. Andrew, the uh, the fictional um, uh, 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 Twitter, well, I won't call it fictional, the, the fake Twitter account, uh, the faux Twitter account of Ralph called Malf Ralbro. Is that, is that really Ralph? Is he just is that part of a long promotion, a long game there, or is that really somebody that's just doing that? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, Scott, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, you know you've always been such a great supporter of our podcast. So uh, you know, anytime you want me on, the answer is always going to be yes. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny you ask that because I- I'm the one that's been accused by many people of running that fake account. But uh, you know, I-, I wish we had thought far enough ahead to to have some kind of long con or long play uh but unfortunately no neither of us is responsible for that uh and we really don't know who it is um on top of that we, we know we've gotten as far as to know that the person is located in new orleans because our other uh personality on the podcast dave cariello was out having lunch one day and whoever runs that account saw dave having lunch somewhere so uh, not only is this person mocking us, but they're spying on us out there in the open. Uh, so, well, good. <laughs> but it's it's all in good fun. So we we really love that account. We like to interact with it, and uh, yeah, you should check them out. It, it's funny because I I times I get them mixed up. Like I'm not even kidding. Like I I'll be on my timeline, and like you know, on your phone, the AVIs are kind of small. You're not maybe looking closely at them. And I'll be like, wait, what is Ralph tweeting? And sometimes they're so similar that I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's just a faux account. That's not even real. So it it's kind of messing with my mind a little bit. But I do think I do think it's funny because clearly they 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 listen to you guys and do a good job of uh, you could say mocking. Ralph might say honoring, but uh, however you look at it, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listen, that, that that's totally on brand for our podcast to have something like that. So uh, I'm appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, part of me hopes to never uh, discover the identity of who's behind it. Uh, I think, but there, there's a part of me that would just prefer to never know. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk some Saints football and something you guys were talking about this week and uh, on the big show. And I, I've, I was talking about it with, uh, with my friend Luke Johnson the other day. The Saints kicking the tires on Sam Darnold, as I think Michael Lombardi reported that. What When you hear the term kicking the tires, I mean, that's kind of open-ended. How strong do you think the Saints' interest was in Darnold after, you know, getting Jameis on a one-year deal and having two guys competing that are both on one-year deals right now at QB? Well, I think Sean Payton is an excellent recruiter, and I think – when the Saints have their mindset on something, and, and we know this from watching the way they draft, the way they execute free agency, when they have their mindset on something, they do it. Uh, and so, you know, when you ask me how strong was the desire to bring him in, it obviously wasn't that strong uh, because they didn't get him. Uh, so I, I think it was one of those situations where, look, you've got a quarterback 
out there on a minimum salary. Uh, he's been, or I should say on a rookie deal. And, and he, he's been starting for the Jets and he's about to become available. And so the Saints, when, 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 when you say kicking the tires, I don't know if they offered a fifth. I don't know if they offered a fourth. Uh, but some low-level compensation to get this. Because here's the thing. The Saints are looking at it this way. If we spend a third-round pick on Kyle Trask, is that really any better than giving the Jets a third-round pick for Sam Darnold? Now, Sam Darnold has a shorter-term contract where they would have to decide on resigning him or not, so that's the downside. But if they think Sam Darnold is so much better than Trask, and I think most people would feel that the answer to that is yes, then why not get him in the building for a year and, and burn the draft pick on that guy instead? Get a chance to evaluate him inside your building. Have him compete with the quarterbacks. Because here's the thing. The Saints are not committed to anyone uh, after this year. In 2022, this is a contract year for Taysom Hill, and it's a contract year for Jameis Winston. So they're they're open for business as far as the quarterback position is concerned. And I think it's one of those things where they're going to keep poking around and looking under every nook and crevice until they find – who their guy is in the future. And that doesn't mean they don't believe in Taysom Hill. It doesn't mean they don't believe in James Winston. They like the players, but they're not settled on this is our quarterback of the future. And so until they're settled, I think it behooves them to keep looking. Listen, I think it's smart. Uh, they end up not landing Darnold, but if you all of a sudden you offer a, a low fifth round pick, fourth round pick, and let's say the Jets take it. All of a sudden you've got a quarterback room that has another guy that's capable of playing in the league that's done it. Uh, now, he hasn't been very successful doing it, but to me, Darnold is a very similar prospect to Jameis Winston. I mean, when you look at Jameis Winston, the interceptions, a lot of people feel like, you know, off the field stuff, and, he, and he's just a broken quarterback, and, and it's a reclamation project. Can Sean Payton turn this guy's career around? Is it, is, is it a function of him being in a bad situation and surrounded by poor talent or, or just uh, poor coaching or whatever it might be? I'm going to change his scenery is what he needed. And Sam Darnold, to me, another supremely talented guy. He played for the Jets, didn't have a lot of talent around him. Adam Gase is a coach. And we've already seen Ryan Tannehill get away from that coach and have success in a, in a different system. So, uh, you know, they end up not getting him. But I, I think the message is clear. If there's a guy in the draft that they can go get that they're intrigued by, they're going to make that pick. And so I definitely don't think the Saints are done when it comes to acquiring quarterbacks this year. ESPN 1420.com, Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast, our guest. You know, you reference Adam Gase. Uh, Brandon Stokely is a buddy of mine. I was was talking to him, I guess, month before last about how Peyton Manning helped his career a lot in that when he had his seasons in Indy, that was when I think the rest of the league realized, okay, this guy is a really good slot receiver that – you know, can do special things. And he played for 15 seasons in the league. And um, and he's like, look, wherever you go, a quarterback can help you, you know, make more money or less money depending on the system you're in. But Stokely was good, right? Adam Gase is probably the biggest fraud in terms of somebody Peyton Manning helped make a lot of money. That guy got multiple head coaching jobs out of just happening to be Peyton's OC. It's ridiculous. And you see the quarterbacks and the like, like if Sam Darnold ends up having great success in Carolina, is Adam Gase like the big, like how much is he the biggest fraud in terms of coaches that just stole money from the NFL? (laughs) 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, guys are a product of their system sometimes. And, you know, I look at how much money uh, Chase Daniel has made uh, from being Drew Brees' backup, you know. I mean, he's never been able to be a starter anywhere. But, you know, and that, that's not to call him a fraud. But, listen, it, it, it's one of those things where, first of all, Stokely was a great receiver. And, I, you know, I, I think he's probably being a little humble there. He, he would have been successful, I think, in other systems. Well, um, he was, right? Yeah, he was successful in other systems. I think it just yeah, he was it helped him yeah. get it. You know, um, but, you know, things, right? I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think Adam Gase, at this point, I don't think he can get out of New York and really, and, and really be uh, intriguing for anyone else. You know, maybe he gets a quarterback job in college, but I, I don't if I forget head coach, I, I don't even think he would be on the table for offensive coordinator at most places. Uh, you know, maybe he goes to a Liberty, you know, maybe he goes to a, a smaller school in college where he has an opportunity to call the plays. And, and maybe if he has some advancement there, he can kind of rebuild himself. You know, listen, it seems like all these coaches that kind of have this checkered question marks on their resume, they go to Alabama uh, and it's kind of a rehab facility for some of these big name coaches. So it, it's possible that he could go somewhere like that and have an opportunity. But I, I think the bottom line is we see it all the time. You know, we see it all the time where these coaches and I, I would say maybe the Patriot system is most guilty of it. Uh, when you have so much success, it's very easy to think that Romeo Cornell or Charlie Weiss, you know, are, are responsible uh, for, for the amount of success this team has when they win multiple Super Bowls. And yet when you have them as the head coach of the Browns, or you have them as the head coach of Notre Dame, uh, things quickly go awry. And so uh, the reality is these guys, they're not able to bring their environment with them. They, they're not bringing a lot of the assistant coaches. Uh, they're not bringing a lot of the players. And so they're starting from scratch. And just because you, know, you can work alongside Tom Brady and you can work alongside Belichick or pick a different system, Peyton Manning, whatever it may be, it doesn't mean that when you're starting from scratch and you're drafting a quarterback in the top five who's a rookie that you're necessarily going to have success, and we're seeing that now. Andrew Juge, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420. Cornerback, linebacker, wide receiver, which one is the biggest need right now? Where, are the, where, where should Saints fans be uh, most stressed? What positional unit is the thinnest in your mind? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, there's more holes on this roster uh, than there's been in a long time. And so I don't think there's one clear answer, which should be a little unnerving in the sense that there's a number of things that the Saints need to accomplish in this draft because they don't have the finances to then go make up for, for those players that are lacking in free agency. Uh, they don't really have, the cap situation being what it is, I don't think the Saints are going to be able to add a bunch of free agents even after the draft, uh, to be able to fill those holes. So they've got a a number of spots on this roster that are uh, available not only for guys to get playing time, but potentially start. And so I think when you look at cornerback, first of all, to me there's not a number two cornerback on this roster. I mean, you could throw P.J. Williams in there. You could throw Patrick Robinson in there. Maybe you have a younger player like Keith Washington that – that shows you a little something, but I just don't believe that right now as this roster stands, there is a starting cornerback on the roster. So to me, that's probably the biggest need. Uh, And yet when you look at the rest of the roster, I mean, they're going to be starting Adam Troutman at tight end. That doesn't, that feels a little 
unsettled. And then you've got a receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is gone, so there's a question mark there. Uh, yeah, we mentioned quarterback. You know, listen, we think Jameis Winston's going to be the guy, but I, I think there's going to be some competition there. And and lastly, you know, the the line the linebacker situation, the defensive line. Uh, the, there's a number of spots here. Defensive line to me is probably the most underrated uh, need for the Saints, or, or, or at least the least talked about. Because yes, they have Onyemata. Yes, they have Cam Jordan. Yes, they're going to be counting on Marcus Davenport to have a good, healthy season. But they lost a lot of firepower. I mean, you talk about trading away Malcolm Brown, uh, who was instrumental in stopping the run for them. Trey Hendrickson was their sack leader last year. He's gone, and Sheldon Rankins is gone. So you're talking about three guys that were all three critical parts of their defensive line rotation, and they really haven't done much except for Passigno, uh, who is really the one free agent they picked up to kind of mitigate some of those losses. I think the Saints on the interior are really thin. So I really think you could justify if the Saints stick at 28 and they don't move around, I think you could justify cornerback. I think you could justify anything on the front seven uh, and then potentially receiver. It's like I look at at all of those groups, maybe not as much D-tackle, but to your point, it's probably the most overlooked uh, positional unit that has a big need. But when you look at corner, linebacker, wide receiver, you look at each one, you're like, okay, you got one stud. And then after that, you know, the gap is so wide. It's just from DeMario Davis to whoever is next, Michael Thomas to whoever is next, Lattimore to whoever is next. And if any of those guys go down for any amount of time, you know, they're screwed. And I I know that Saints fans are saying, oh, it's okay. You know, the draft's coming up in a few weeks. And it is. There's no way you're going to fill all these holes in a single draft. And, you know, the 2017 draft, that's not normal. That's more of an anomaly than anything. No disrespect to Jeff Ireland and the job he's done. Certainly the drafts have been much better since he came on board. But you're not going to have a historically great draft, or you shouldn't expect that. You know, hopefully you can get a few starters. But I, I was asked this question last week, Andrew. You know, which franchise had the most difficult offseason so far? And obviously the Texans are number one for a variety of reasons. But I'm like, look, if you just want to look roster-wise, the Saints might be number two just because of what they had to, who they had to get rid of, who they had to release, whether it or or who retired and and what they have or what they haven't rather uh, replaced those with, and that to me is you just start looking up and down and the 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 just how much the depth on this roster took a giant hit. You know that's my final question for you. Other than Houston, do the Saints to this point? We'll see what happens in a few weeks with a draft. But to this point, have they had the most difficult off season in the NFL? Yeah, I mean you mentioned the Texans. Uh, but but I'm with you, and uh, the, there's a saying that goes, "You're you're only as strong as your weakest link," and uh, I believe that to be true. And listen, it's one of those things where, in the Saints secondary, if you have a porous number two corner that, that really can't play the position and is really struggling, I mean, we've seen this with the Saints where Ken Crawley was struggling mightily and was a total liability, and they had to go out and trade for Eli Apple, and and then Eli Apple became such a liability. Uh, that they had to go out and get Janoris Jenkins. And, you know, Alex Anzalone was such a liability that they had to go out and get Quan Alexander. And each time they made those moves, we're talking about one player on the defense. It had transformative properties. So sometimes one player can throw the whole thing off kilter. And so you mentioned depth. 
I mean, listen, this Saints team the last four years has had so much depth. They've had injuries twice to Drew Brees, to their starting cornerbacks. How many teams in the league can, and forget the fact that it's Drew Brees, one of the best of all time, how many teams in the league can suffer an injury to their starting quarterback and go 8-1 and one during that span? And, and that, that's what the Saints did with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. They had an injury this year to Michael Thomas, the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, the year prior, and they were still able to win games. Alvin Kamara played on a bum knee all of two years ago, pretty much, and they were still able to win games. And so I, I just look at some of the star power. They, they've had some significant injuries to really significant players, and they've been able to continue to win games. They won a game this year, Scott, with Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins both out. I don't know if most fans don't remember that game, but they were missing both corners and still won the game with P.J. Williams and Patrick Robinson. So when you talk about the depth that this team had, there was really nowhere to go but backwards because, to me, this is maybe one of the best rosters in Saints history, if not the best, when you go from 1 through 53. And so I think what's going to happen this year is they're going to be for you, and you said it, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to sustain the injuries to their star players like they have in the past. I still think this is a very good team. I still think it's a very good roster. But if you lose Michael Thomas for a significant amount of time, if you lose Alvin Kamara, you lose Lattimore, I just think that's going to be felt a lot more because, as you said, the drop-off is going to be more significant. And so they're going to be counting as depth on rookies, uh, potentially undrafted rookies, uh, to come in and play in certain situations. And we've seen that before where guys are put in positions where maybe they're not ready, maybe they're not totally prepared, and that's the kind of thing that makes a, a 10 and 6 and 11 and 5 team quickly go to 7 and 9. Good stuff from Andrew Juge at Andrew Juge on Twitter. Give him a follow there. Of course, check out at Saints Happy Hour and uh, listen to the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He, Ralph, Dave, Kevin, the crew. It's a lot of fun. Always is. I enjoy it. Appreciate the time as always, Andrew. All the best. And uh, let's maybe chat again sometime after the draft when we know exactly what this roster is going to likely look like heading into 2021 season. That sounds great, Scott. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, as always at the Saints, I think uh, expect a lot of movement in the draft. Uh, they're going to try to go get the guys that they think very highly of. And uh, as we mentioned on this show, they've been really successful with Jeff Ireland kind of leading the way uh, these last five years or so. And so uh, I expect them to find some guys that are going to help them. Great stuff. Andrew Juge has been our guest. Stay tuned. 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show starts next. Anthony Babineau joins me in studio right here on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app.